Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is time for the 189th episode of Three Guys Before the Game. This is the WVU Hoops Review for the 2019-2020 season. And a little football, too. We are joined by an illustrious crew. The dean is in, Hoppy Kirchville. The senator is here as well. That's Brett Howe. And this program is brought to you by our super fantastic sponsors. By Wheeling Island Hotel Casino and Mardi Gras Casino and Resort in Cross Lanes. Check them out. Find out what's up. Their full promotional calendar available to you at wheelingisland.com and at Mardi Gras Casino WV.com. By Comax Business Systems, they are your full-service Konica Minolta dealer. Go to Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com. And by our newest sponsor, our new buds, Burdette Camping Center, the only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia. Visit them at BurdetteCamping.com. And as part of their initial run on Three Guys Before the Game, they are offering a three guys special so if you've been thinking about a recreational vehicle a camper how about this deal right now the three guys special is a 177 bh wildwood camper for just 10.9 that's right a 177 bh wildwood camper for only 10.9 hoppy looked at the uh blueprints on this baby nice very very nice Go to BurdetteCamping.com or stop by Burdette Camping Center in Winfield. That is the, as I pointed out on the last show, Winfield is the metropolitan area, Hoppy, of Scott Depot and Frazier's Bottom. That's where, get that, Scott Depot people, Frazier's Bottom people, they go into Winfield and go to Burdette Camping Center and say, I want to take a look at the three guys special. Come into so a you say that here. when you walk on the lot, right? You say the three guys special, I'd like to see it. And people are. Yeah. People are saying, I want to check out that 177 BH Wildwood Camper. All right. So here we go, folks. 189th episode of Three Guys Before the Game. We're going to recap WVU's basketball season, which came to a unprecedented ending. We'll get into that. We've got phone calls from you. We've got texts from you. And we'll do all that kind of stuff. So it's good to have everyone here. We obviously will address at the very top of the show um the as i said i guess the word the best word to use is the unprecedented situation that we're all dealing with because of the coronavirus and as a result it is leading us to take a pause here and address how we're going to move forward and we spoke among the three of us before we went underway and obviously this is such a a fragile situation right now. We're recording Monday afternoon. It's such a fragile situation, which is constantly changing. We've got no clue, no idea, obviously, as to how bad that it is going to get. And so we have to be careful. We have to be professional in the sense that uh, this is not a time um, for our traditional jacking around for better terms. I mean, a big part of this program, and I think from what we hear from people, uh, the reason that they enjoy listening to this program is because we love to take out long knitting needles and poke each other into the side constantly. Especially we enjoy poking Hoppy. I'm right in the side to make him, and we love getting him, him and the senator, you know, going back and forth. That's what we hear from people. So as we get ready to do this, 
you know, how much of that do we do, continue to do, with the potential that this thing is going to get extremely uh, bad? So that's where we are. Uh, that's one thing. And Hop's going to jump here in a second. Brad can jump in here and kind of give you our take on that. Not that we're not going to uh, still relay the information. And the other part of it is this, as I said, uh, we've never been down this road before in which we don't have activities taking place. And I'm not just talking about three guys before the game. I mean, this time of year, we transition out of basketball. We go right into spring football. That ends in third week of April. And then, you know, we do our little thing there in May and uh, in June, July, and then we started it up again. So obviously, this is all new for everybody involved. A couple things. I'm going to lean on you, the listener, to let us know where you want to go as far as content, as far as interviews, as far as questions. We were already going to go back to what we did last summer, and we thought we had some just tremendous interviews last summer. Great stuff. And we're going to do that again. We may make that happen a lot quicker now that there's no spring ball, but I'm not particularly worried about the content, to be quite honest with you, at all. People are coming to me and saying, what are you going to do on three guys? What are you going to do on Sportsline? Like, that doesn't worry me at all. We've got stuff to talk about for forever. We can talk about stuff. We can go a bunch of bunch of different directions. It'll just be different. All right. So that was a very that was a very long short statement by me. Uh, Hoppy, now we need someone with intelligence to bring us a voice of reason. <laughs> no, I think it was pretty well said, Tony. And just as you were saying that, and people have seen this recorded earlier, but uh, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan announced he's shutting down all bars, restaurants, movie theaters, and gyms effective 5 o'clock on Monday in the state of Maryland. So it's all around us. West Virginia has taken, uh, already taken very significant steps. You can keep up at wvmetronews.com. This is changing. This is evolving. And, but as, as you alluded to, normally we're like hyenas. If we, if we detect that one is weakened, the other two <laughs> are going to jump Is that a hyena or is that a jackal? Is that a, a jackal, jackal, maybe? Yeah, jackal, yeah. And we have, we have great fun with that because we're friends, and, but we, we like that give and take, and we know that people enjoy that. But as we came in to record today, none of us were doing that. We were talking about, you know, Brad, what's your situation? Tony, what's your situation? How's this going to impact this? So it just is not the time. I mean, we may still get in a couple of jabs, but it's just not a time to yuck it up. It's not saying we're not having fun doing this show, but it just it just doesn't feel right today. Yeah. And yet all that said, I think we hope that we can be a little diversion here, right? This will be a little 30, 40 minute diversion in your day. If you need to separate and get away and have a little fun and talk about something a little more lighthearted, I think that's what we're here to do. Yeah, I agree with that. So again, we have no idea how bad this is, uh, how bad this is going to get, but we do know uh, that for the most part, for the next eight weeks, Things are going to come to a stop as this uh, as this happens. So every day is a new day, every hour is a new hour, and we'll move ahead from there. I'll tell you one thing that hit me this weekend. Like everyone, when the season came to an end for the Mountaineer basketball team, right, um, it started to trickle. We were on the plane going to Kansas City and got an email just before we took off to say, hey. When we get to Kansas City, they're going to change the format of the interviews. Locker rooms in the hallways are going to be closed. So that was like the first little raindrop, you know. Oh, okay. Kind of weird. And then, well, you know, they put a uh, ribbon uh, so that the coach on the floor could not get near the media. If you wanted to interview him, he, you would sit on the press row, and he would be like 8 to 10 feet back. And you're going, oh, really? You need to do all that? 
And then the drops continued to fall and the drops continued to fall. And as everyone knows, it escalated very quickly to the point where West Virginia is ready to play its game and they're in pregame meal and they're getting ready for shoot around and the ACC is getting ready to go and they pull them off the floor. Now, this was the day after the NBA announced the suspension. And then the NCAA came out and said, we're done. We're not going to have the tournament. And our initial reaction right then was, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. How stupid is that? What an outrage. How can you do this? How can you do this? How can you do this? Now, just go 48, 72 hours later and you go like, I absolutely, personally, I go, absolutely, I can understand why, number one, and credit those folks for being on the top of it because you're seeing what's happening, right? And so I quickly went from the disappointment of not having a tournament and watching the season being over, like, that's what it is. And it had to be that. So I've got absolutely no issues whatsoever. Interestingly, the sports teams were almost ahead of the curve on their calls. Uh, NCAA tournament, NBA, and the NBA was a big one, and everybody kind of fell into place after that. And that turned out to be the right call. And now you have the, the rest of society kind of catching up. So they were, in some ways, ahead of the curve. Take? Well, I think your take's right. I think that's exactly how it went. At first, you saw this and went, that seems a little extreme. But as we get into this now, it was absolutely the right move to do. You had to get those things off the table and shut down. Let now me you're seeing why. Let me tell you what uh, Anthony Fauci said, who, who's the head of uh, National Institutes of Health, who's been, I think, a real uh, pillar in these things. He's been on all the shows, and he, he's, I think, has spoken with uh, complete honesty and credibility. And he said, the way you get ahead of this is – I want people to assume that we are overreacting because if it looks like you're overreacting, you're probably doing the right thing, which I think is a great way to look at it. Like, oh, you're overreacting. Well, no, you're probably doing the right thing to keep it from getting worse. Right. So that applies to the to sports. But, you know, I was thinking, and maybe this is, this is the old guy talking, but you can, you know, you can still go out in the backyard and throw the baseball. You can still shoot basketball in the driveway. You can still go out and go for hikes. You can still walk around. I mean, there are still things that you can do sports-wise that are not the team sports that you're watching on television. Totally I know that agree. doesn't excite a lot of people today, but you can still do those things. Totally agree. Totally agree. Brad doesn't because Brad wants sport. Brad wants to see sports. Well, I do, I do think, I said this last week, I, I do think it can be both things. I think you can look at this logically and intelligently and say that the those folks in charge made the right decision and got to the right decision to for where we are today and, and where this thing is headed. But I think you can also still be disappointed that you didn't get yes, to see those events. Sure. And I can see why those players are so disappointed, especially guys that won't get a chance to do it again. You look at individual teams like a Dayton Right, Dayton's a great example sure. of a team that isn't there every year. They're not Duke. They're not a blue blood that's going to be in the hunt every year for an NCAA tournament. They were having a magical season, maybe a once-in-a-generation season for Dayton that just goes away. So I can also understand the disappointment while recognizing how serious this is that we're dealing with. And it opens up a whole new category of whether or not the NCAA will grant additional eligibility to winter sports athletes who had not previously redshirted. So that means that potentially a Chase Harler and a Jermaine Haley, if the NCAA gives the green light, could come back. Now, the way that would work is men's basketball teams get 13 scholarships, women's get 15. So the NCAA would put a 
codicil in that says, okay, West Virginia, i.e., you have two seniors. Next year, you can have 15 on scholarship. And it would go, if a school's got three kids, then you could go to 16. Okay, you get it. So that opens up a whole nother possibility. And it looks as though spring sports teams, baseball players, uh, among the others that play spring sports, they'll also have that opportunity. The question is whether or not the winter sports will. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see how that all goes. Spring sports is a no-brainer because you had seasons that were barely underway. I, that, to me, is an absolute slam dunk. The winter sports becomes a little more tricky. I mean, you have, just take, just take in the Big 12, Iowa State had completed its season. Its entire season was in the books, right? They played in the Big 12 tournament and were knocked out. So their entire season was completed. Every player they had got everything that was coming to them in terms of eligible games. Do you go back and give some of their seniors another year? I, my initial reaction is no. My initial reaction would be the NCAA comes out and says, here are the 68 teams that we're going to be in the tournament. So you 68 schools get to have your extra guys back because they were denied the opportunity to participate. For well, the then, whole year? Wait, but wait, but wait, but wait a second. But wait a second. NIT. NIT. First four out, right? I mean, that, that, well, that's a that, 64 to the 68. There's right? a whole lot of there's a whole lot of issues there. You know, what you're, what you're going to see is, and this is from every, this is all through our society now, the kinds of things you're talking about. Think of the tens of thousands of decisions that have to be made in every walk of life. The, the, the beautiful thing about this terrible thing is that we will figure it out. We have a lot of smart people in this country who have a lot of insight into their particular expertise, and they'll figure something out. And some, some solutions will be better than others, but we will figure it out. Right now, as you talked about, Tony, we're in this real period of unknown. We're still, we're still, things are still changing. There's still new information all the time. At some point, there will be a new normal, a new normal that will make sense, will settle in, and then there'll be more time to resolve these issues. But there are tens of thousands of questions that will have to be resolved like that in the coming months. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I think that, that some will be... And, and collectively, we'll have to sort of suck it up and go, well, okay, that's what needs to be done. Because this is, a, this is a big deal. This is not just about, this is not a thing. This is everything. You're right. And as we did with September 11th, right? It yeah. changed the changed. world that yeah. we know. This also comes at an incredibly fragile moment, I think, in the history of the NCAA. This was going to be a massive, massive off-season for the NCAA, Right. We're talking about name image likeness. We're talking about the ability to transfer without having to sit out a year, a one-time transfer. In other words, there's a bunch of really pressing, huge, seminal decisions that the NCAA has to make, was getting ready to make. Now, oh, by the way, add all this on here too. Name image and likeness? Massive. I mean, all that stuff was coming. Yeah, absolutely. So it's this, wow. It's a wow moment as far as that goes. But as you said, it'll settle. Uh, Hoppy, I know you don't listen uh, to Sportsline. Who says? I know you don't. I mean, I know you go home, you get the, the gate opens up in that community you live, and then it shuts back down. You drive in there, you got another gate in front of your driveway, that goes down in there, and you hole up in there. I know you don't listen. You get a warm glass of milk about 5.30, you call it a night. But anyway, on Friday's Sportsline, I put an overview on this Mountaineer season. I thought we weren't doing that. I thought well, we weren't attacking what? people viciously today. What's well, fact? Best, oh, well, uh, it wasn't really a vicious attack. 
You notice how he was kind of a, it was a subdued attack on you. <laughs> it was passive aggressive. Yeah, passive aggressive attack on you. I just, I didn't think. Now we listen to his, what's he called? You don't listen to my that, show. That coffee thing he yeah. does, coffee clutch. Oh, 10 to noon every day. Hop, I think you find some of these numbers interesting. Let's overview the West Virginia okay. season. Ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Only 1% of the teams in college basketball. Everything is based on 353 schools. 1% finished with 30 or more wins this year. Four teams had 30 or more wins. 107 schools out of the 353, which is 28%, finished with 20 or more wins. West Virginia was one of those schools. 30 of the 107 schools, which make up the power six, 30 of the 107, which make up the power six, 28% had 20 wins or more. Here we go. West Virginia's schedule strength was ranked 15th toughest in the nation. It places it in the 96th percentile of difficulty of teams' schedules. West Virginia won 20 games for the 34th time in school history. Now, that was the 111th season of WV Hoops, which means that West Virginia has won 20 or more games, surprisingly, in just 30% of its seasons. West Virginia's won 20 or more games. West Virginia's adjusted defense finished third best in the country behind only Virginia and Kansas. Now, here's what's interesting. Baylor finished four, Texas Tech finished nine. That means West Virginia played six games this season against teams ranked in the top nine nationally in adjusted defense in 11 games against teams that were rated in the top 30 when you include Ohio State, Texas, and Oklahoma. That means that West Virginia played 35% or more than a third of its games this year against teams rated in the top 30 nationally in defensive efficiency. Maybe that's why offensively at times they were a struggle. Ken Pomeroy ranks the defensive efficiency of West Virginia's opponents as the eighth best in the nation. West Virginia's overall played eighth best defensively in the nation, and the opposing teams were rated 27th best in offensive efficiency. So they not only played really good defensive teams, they played overall the 27th best offensive efficiency team. So that was fun. Next up, West Virginia played 13 games against teams that won 20 or more games. That means that's significant. So West Virginia played 31 games. 13 came against teams that won 20 or more. West Virginia was 10-3 and against those teams that won 20 games this season. They were 10-3. and West Virginia beat nine non-conference opponents that won 20 or more games. This is the thing that I brought up on Friday to the senator that I think will surprise people. These teams West Virginia played back in November and December when some people aren't totally focused on this. And you guys get on me. I think you get on me a little bit. Oh, it's just an early season game. People come up to me. Oh, these games really don't count. No, these games count in November and December. Akron, Northern Colorado, Boston University, Northern Iowa, Wichita State, Austin P, Nickel State, Rhode Island, Ohio State, all won 20 or more games. In fact, West Virginia... Six of its first seven teams that it played this season won 20 or more games. That's never happened in WVU basketball history. Here's why, and that's why the computer loved this Mountaineer teams. Even when West Virginia lost six to seven, center, you kept coming in and saying, Ken Palm still has them at X. Net rankings, they're still here because they put all of that equity in early on in the season. The only conference teams that West Virginia played the, this entire season, the only non-conference teams that finished with a losing record were Missouri and Pitt. The only non-conference teams they played that finished with a losing record. That's strong, man. It is. And those are power five. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's not like the the two that were the right. seemingly easiest on your schedule were lower division teams. It's yes. two power fives. Yes. Meaning they have athletes, they have guys. You ready for something else? I did a little did a little ciphering. You have been, and I'm gonna give you credit here, Senator. You have been banging a loud drum. Very loud drum. Almost as big as that one at Purdue. You know that you know that big clown drum that they have? That's, that's stupid. <laughs> that thing looks like like what's that thing look like? That thing That's a big drum. So like a what do you mean it's a drum? big What do you mean it's a big drum? That's, that's not thing. even a, that thing looks like a that looks like a, a, a bulldozer tire in the biggest quarry in the what world. Would you, what would you think if a Purdue person if somebody from Purdue said, Why is that guy running around with a raccoon on his head? <laughs> I'd be like, offended. Is there a reason why that drum's so big? I mean, the guy could, I mean, they could, they could have got the point across. They got a big bass drum. The thing looks, it, it, it's crazy. Anyway. You think when he went to bed last night, he knew he was going to wake up and rail on the Purdue big drum? No. Nothing wrong. I had no idea. It just I, came let, in let my mind. have the drum. All I'm you? saying is you beat the drum that Oscar Sheebway's season yeah. was not number one. Oscar Sheebway was cheated this year. He was cheated when it came to respect he was cheated when it came to recognition. He was cheated when it came to the credentials that he put forth. And he's been on it all season long. It's almost like there was a campaign not to give Oscar Sheebway his due. Here's what I'm talking about. You ready to go, Hop? Yeah. So there's 2,200-plus players in college basketball, 2,228. Oscar was number one out of 2,228 players in offensive rebounding percentage. He rebounded 19% of all of West Virginia's missed shots. 19%. Number one. That's number incredible. one in the nation. That's number incredible one. number. Here's it real, before you go further, I think that number two, I think that's just what they rank. That's not the total number of college basketball players. That's just what You're they right. rank. Eligible. Yeah. For that category. For that category. I yes. mean, there's there's 4,000 4, in some total players. These so. are eligible for that particular category. So that's even more, yeah. point is, it's even more impressive. Say Number that, one out of 4,000 in some players in offensive rebounding this season. He got 19% of all missed West Virginia shots. Which is really good because when he came in here as a freshman, he had some work to do. So as he's grown in his time in the program, he's gotten really good and become a very good offensive rebounder <laughs> over his four years in the program. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. He's 46th in defensive rebounding percentage. 46 out of 4,000 plus kids. That means he rebounded 25% of all the opposing team's missed shots. <laughs> but wait, there's more. He ranked 44th over 4,000. He ranked 44th in fouls drawn per game. He was averaging six fouls drawn per game. Okay. I'm going to get back to Oscar in a second. Derek Culver. He was better at defensive rebounding percentage than Oscar was. Derek rebounded 28% of all opponent misses. 28% of all opponent misses. He was 18th in the nation in defensive rebounding percentage. He finished 15th in fouls drawn per 40 minutes. He averaged seven fouls per 40 minutes. So he goes out there, he's going to foul out a guy and a half per game if he played 40 minutes. 20th in free throw rate, which measures the ability to get to the line relative to scoring positions, possessions. So he got to the line 20th best. Gabe Osaboyan, 37th in the nation in steal percentage. That's computed by the possessions that a player steals a ball based upon the team possessions on the defensive side. Okay, 
So let me jump back to Oscar. You ready? Oscar finished the year leading the Mountaineers in scoring, leading the Mountaineers in rebounding, leading the Mountaineers in field goals made, leading the Mountaineers in blocks. You get the point. And field goal percentage and made free throws. Uh, field goal percentage, he missed by a th- two thousandth of a point. Oh, yeah, five, yeah, 554 yeah. for Jermaine Haley, 552 for Oscar. Made free throws. Now watch this. You ready? Now we go. Again, now let, freshman. Freshman. First year. You ready to go big picture now? Now I'm going to make a statement. Ready to make a statement? Mm-hmm. What you just saw Oscar Shibway do puts him in conversation, in conversation, for a top three spot in the most productive freshman in West Virginia basketball history. I can believe him. Now keep this in mind. Jerry West didn't play. Those guys didn't play, right? So that, okay. So since 1973, if you just take scoring average alone, I just said Oscar averaged 11-2. 11-2. He finishes fourth all-time in freshman scoring at 11-2. Warren Baker averaged 17 Chris Brooks averaged 13. Mike Boyd averaged 12. Oscar was 11.3. He averaged more than Devin Ebanks. He averaged more than Deshaun Butler. Now, you want to go a step further? Minutes played? Yeah, do this one because I just wrote something down here. Do this one. Right. So basically, if you get it to minutes played, Warren Baker played over 32 minutes. Okay. So Bake played over 32 minutes. Chris Brooks was also, he was in the 900-minute category. Oscar checks in at 720 minutes, which is the least among that group of five players that I just mentioned. So from if you were to map everything out over a 40-minute period or you do that, you prorate it. Blows it away. Blows it away. Right. He's third on this team in minutes played this season. He played just barely over half the available minutes. He averaged 23 minutes a game. There's 40 minutes available, right? 40 minutes of game time. He played just barely more than half the game and led West Virginia in five categories, almost six. I said, Hoppy, I've been saying this for weeks now. We've talked a lot about Oscar Shibwe, and we talked a lot about him before he arrived. I think he not only lived up to the hype, I think he surpassed it, quite frankly. To be able to walk in and do what he did this season and lead this group, simply phenomenal, and we did not give it enough credit while it was happening. Well, we didn't because, as this, I mean, early on, I think we did. We were amazed at what he was doing. And then it became commonplace. We would talk about West Virginia's win or West Virginia's loss. And then, oh, by the way, Oscar had a double double in 23 minutes. Right. Oh, by the way, Oscar, you know, had 14 and 16. So it, it became, al- we became almost complacent by it. Yes. Number one. Nationally, I don't think he got the attention. You know why? Because. There is, because w- when things are really heating up, West Virginia took a little bit of a swan dive, okay, and started falling out of the national discussion. And there's a, there's a national bias toward the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Indianas and, and some of these other schools, uh, you know, Gonzaga, in basketball. And West Virginia, despite that high ranking early, 
still didn't still was not in the discussion as much as a lot of other teams and if it had been you would have heard more nationally about oscar i agree with that you know the, the other thing about him that, that keeps the national recognition down a little bit is just his style of play guys i mean that's as productive as a guy as you will find that doesn't have the offense run through him i mean think about that normally when you're talking about freshmen you're talking about guys that lead your team in five categories it's an Andrew Wiggins type from Kansas. It's a give the guy the ball and get out of the way that can create his own shot. You're talking about a guy that just led your team in scoring that was run. They ran very few sets for him. It's not like they were coming down the floor saying, right. clear out, we're going to post up Oscar. Let's feed him the ball 15 times and see what he can do. Guy just led the team in scoring, and he wasn't your number one primary option. I, to me, that's even more impressive. He had to go out and get his points and did. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. He also rebounds. Ready? Since 1973, freshman became eligible. He had the most rebounds of any freshman since 1973. He had 287 rebounds. Warren Baker had 279. Devin Ebanks had 273 in 35 games. Derek Culver had 258 a year ago. So by average, Derek actually. Derek had 9.9 rebounds per game last season. Oscar comes in at 9.3. So that gives you an idea of what you have right now. Unprecedented, mm-hmm. right, in Mountaineer basketball. Well, think, just stop right there for a second. How, think about setting a rebounding mark like that while you have Culver on the team. Exactly. I mean, Culver's in there cleaning up. I mean, he's one of the historic great rebounders, and Oscar's in there getting more rebounds than that while you got Culver on the floor. Point made. We just saw one of the all-time great freshman performances that no one talked about. Thank you. I give credit to the senator. He was out there with the Purdue bass drum. <laughs> Last year this time. Yeah, well. Well, know, look, it is. Hey, listen to this. He, uh, Oscar, you're right. Brad set the bar almost impossibly high, and Oscar exceeded that. Yes. And when you think about it, shouldn't we give due to the senator that perhaps he should be commended for his gift of prophecy and clairvoyance. This is the guy that early on went Will Greer for Heisman. I mean, almost got home. He's, I mean, was mocked, almost got home. You are the guy that I think people should start to follow. You know, you know, what's amazing too, about this team. If you play it down further, because you talk about guys that we talked a lot about, but still probably didn't give credit. Think about this team and the remarkable bounce back in one season. It, It is a great disappointment that you never got to see what this team could do in a postseason tournament because so often we judge success or lack thereof of a season based on NCAA tournament success or when you go out. So we, we obviously will not have that with this group. But two of its top three leading scorers are freshmen. Mm-hmm. Right? Miles McBride had a wonderful freshman season as well that was probably overshadowed to a great extent by the things that Oscar was doing out there. When two of your three leading scorers are freshmen, generally that's not a recipe for 20 wins in a really nice season. It was this year for West Virginia. And this this was a very entertaining team. You could like this team. And you got everybody got on this team early because they had such great success and some of the individual performances that we talked about, like Oscar and Culver. And then you're you're all you're, you're the sky's the limit. And then all of a sudden the thing collapses. And everybody goes into this swan dive emotionally over how this team is doing. You say, oh, my gosh, they've lost it. Has Huggins lost them? What's happening? Has they lost a team? They can't make free throws. They can't do anything. And then 
Then they rise up again and they win yeah. that road game and then they they blow out Baylor. So it was a very and, and you don't know what they would have done, but it was a very entertaining season that that gave you a lot to talk about. Even even with the downside, there was stuff to talk about. Yeah. So it was it was a fun ride this year with it this was, basketball team. It was a must watch team. Yes. I think people got excited as games came up. Oh, got to watch them, right? Wherever you yeah. are. Oh right? yeah. Got to watch them. This is a fun team compared to a year ago, where it was just absolutely eeyore a year ago was was oh did they play last night exactly i mean clown show was hey they're playing tomorrow night and there was it was the the vibe was completely different this year great cloud i mean it was a great cloud over last year's team they went out there as a clown show it was like it was bad do that right this year smiley face clown last year scary clown that's what it was i am glad for them that since it ended the way it ended, that they did have that resurgence at Absolutely. the end. Absolutely, getting the Iowa State win and then that signature win. I mean, if you if you look at it, did West Virginia have the last best win of the college basketball season? Ooh, they that's did, a good right? One. Yeah. If you're looking a for a one. default national champion, there you go. The, <laughs> the last best win in all of college basketball goes to West Virginia beating number four Baylor. Arguably, yes. Therefore. Yeah, go they're with the de hobby. facto national champions. National champions. <laughs> Claim it right now. National champions. I don't know if anyone saw on social uh, Macy Oteague, who's a really good player for Baylor. He was expounded like, "Give us the championship type of a thing." And uh, Deuce McBride came in there and said, "Sorry, bro, only good as your last game." Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, think of how we talk about bowl games and, and and football, but think of how the dynamic changed with winning that game. If yes. they had lost that game. It would be completely different. Or if they had lost out. That's what I say is it, at least it, with the hay in the barn with no postseason run, at least you walk away with a pretty good feel on that huge signature win, which should theoretically springboard you to next season. Well, everyone has great disappointment. How about Baylor? They had two one seats. Their men's and their women's team were about to be one seeds in the tournament. So it was obviously everyone is, is dealing with this. Hey, something else that folks are dealing with, and especially with what is going on now, there are more and more people that are working home, working remotely. One of our sponsors makes sure that that can happen with no hiccups, and that is Comax Business Systems. They offer managed IT services, managed voice services, 24-7 remote monitoring gives you the peace of mind that your network is safely being watched. They've been named an elite dealer for the eighth time and the only dealer in the state of West Virginia to ever receive that award from ENX Magazine. So when it comes to checking it out, managing your IT and manage your voice services, give the folks at Comax Business Systems a call and they will do a complete inventory and make you feel safe and secure. ComaxWV.com. That's ComaxWV.com. I th- yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, one thing that's out there, if you're if you're not on Twitter, I encourage you to head over to look. I'm I'm a big fan of this. Now, I will recognize and in the the mode of transparency, I'm not sure. Let me say it this way. I would put myself up against every other single person in the United States in terms <laughs> wow. of fans <laughs> of one shining moment. I'm not sure you can be a bigger proponent of the one shining moment. You know, the song that's played at the end that CBS always does. I I don't think there's anybody that likes that more than I do. You you put yourself up against 360 million Americans. Every one of them. I'll take it on. I I don't think anybody likes that song or has gotten less sick of that song than me. So top of the charts. So anyway, so I, I, I admit my bias early is what I'm trying to do there. Okay. With that. Did you see what someone recommended? It might have been Jeff Goodman, national writer, first person I saw suggest this. And schools now are starting to do this over the Sunday and Monday period. It's still going. 
he suggested that each school do its own one shining moment version because we're not getting one this year. So he suggested each school put out its own season long edition of one shining moment. So that's starting to to hit and you're seeing schools out there. I haven't I seen like West it. Virginia's yet, but oh. I would imagine that will come. But that's that's really a neat a neat thing because you talk about things that go away. And I know in the grand scheme of things, that's a small thing, but one shining moment, one of my favorite things of basketball. See, season. and that's another thing where creative people are coming up with ideas uh, in the face of adversity. Yesterday, and you know, Brad, I'm in and out of watching college basketball. I watched the 2007 Tex- uh, uh, Big 12 tournament, Texas taking on... Um, Oklahoma or somebody, and guess who was on that Texas team? Durant. Durant. Kevin Durant. So hold on. You sat down and watched it, or it was on as you were doing other things? I came across it. I came across it, and I started watching it. My wife said, what are you watching? I said, 2007 Texas team. And I I looked up and see who the coach was and who the players were. How good was he? Was TJ Ford on that team? Yeah, yeah. How good was Durant, dude? Uh, Durant was pretty good. But but you're like, here's a young Kevin Durant. And it was just—it was amazing to watch. I'd and they like won. To, I, I don't. They—they they never won the national championship. No, they, no. They got to the. They might probably got to the championship yeah. game. So I think this was way. Well, this was before West Virginia was even a glimpse or a thought in the Big Twelve Conference. For some reason, I think Durant, as a freshman, played Baylor in the tournament. It was either the tournament might or win. Yes, I think you're right. In the semis, maybe. Yes, dude. dude I sat there and I was. It, it left my mouth like, oh my gosh, I'd never seen anything like it. He went off. So if you could ever find that game against Baylor in the tournament, it was, well, he had 28 at Kansas in the first half, his one year. He had 28 at well, Kansas. Yeah, because weren't the Kansas people saying yes. this year that Greatest Oscar's per- first yeah. half was the most dominant by a player since Durant went yes. off in their place? Yes. Yeah. That's what they said. All right. You ready for some calls, boys? Oh, do you have your headphones? I do. I'm Headphone ready. time. Ready to go. Looking up to 2006, 2007. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed you dug into 07 Texas. <laughs> By the way, as we all start searching around for things to occupy our, occupy our time without sports, ESPN relaunched its Basketball A Love Story documentary series this weekend. Hoppy, you would really like it. I would like that. You would really, really like it. It's well done. A lot of Jerry West, a lot of Rod Thorne in there as well. Really good. Speaking of those, don't you have? Isn't there a documentary oh, coming out with my, those exact yeah, my, individuals? My bad, my bad. Okay, folks. Tomorrow we're recording Monday. Tomorrow we are debuting, releasing our new Pikewood Creative short, the WVU Fieldhouse, the untold stories of the WVU Fieldhouse, and you'll be able to watch it. By going to WVMetroNews.com, there'll be a big banner up tomorrow. Won't be as big as the Purdue bass drum, but there'll be a banner tomorrow at WVMetroNews.com. And click on that and watch it. It's about 20 minutes, and uh, Rod Thorne is one of the folks that we interviewed for it. But I think there's some interesting things that you may not have known about the WVU Fieldhouse that you might go, oh, wow, I never knew that. And in retrospect, the historical significance of the building's construction led to, it was the catalyst to, the, the, the development of WVU's athletic department. I narrated it a while ago. I think Harry Stansberry was the AD. There were only three school, There were only three sports at West Virginia. It was because of that. They, made, they said they pushed cards in. They put all their chips and they went, heck with this, we're going big. And they pushed it in there, and that led to everything 
it started the roll, the ball rolling to get West Virginia to become a major athletic, collegiate athletic department. So I think you'll find it. So that's out Tuesday, March 17. Tuesday, Tuesday March, March 17. 17. Yes, Tuesday, March 17. That Texas team got beat in the second round that year. So the, did they, they beat? Got, they, beat they, they beat Baylor in the first round of okay. the Big 12 Conference okay. Tournament. Uh Beat them 74-69, and then they went the NCAA, and they, they lost to Kansas in the Big 12 championship. Shocker. And then they beat New Mexico State. Then they lost to Southern Cal in the uh, second round of the tournament. Mm. Southern Cal. Is that yeah. Larry? Uh, that was Kevin O'Neill back then, probably? All right, Kevin O'Neill. Ready for calls? Now I'm going to search that. Go ahead. Jeez. Let's do it. <laughs> I, if you really want to find – I want to find out how many he hit against Baylor. Here we go. All right, I'll check. First doing call, that. checking in. And, again, if you'd like to join us – on our text line, we're taking calls 24-7. This is really going to be hard. All right, I get 304. Don't say it until the graphic's up. If, we get, if he, he doesn't put the graphic up, 304-404-80. There it is. 304-404-4083. 304-404-4083. First call. Go ahead. Hi, this is Zach Tone from California. With this season wrapping up so quickly, I was wondering if – there's any thoughts, thoughts on the prospects of our future for next year, particularly our new recruits that are coming in. We have Isaiah Cottrell, who's a four-star recruit, and I know we also had Jalen Bridges that was registering this year. So I'm just wondering, which of those two guys do you think is going to make a bigger impact next year? Which of those two are we going to look back at this time next year and say, wow, he had a really big season like Miles McBride did this year? Thanks for everything. You guys are awesome. Love listening to you out here. Thank you very, very much. We love being out in California. Kind of how we roll. We're Cali people. Um, so the initial thought would be, I think the easy answer to your question is that Jalen Bridges will have the more immediate success because Jalen Bridges has done everything this season except walk on the floor and play in the game. He has worked out. He has practiced. He has traveled. He has watched scouting reports. He does absolutely everything except walk out on the floor. He's practiced against those guys. So his learning curve has been given just this huge booster shot because of doing that. And I think it's fabulous the way that that worked out. They love him. They think he's special. Um, Isaiah Cottrell as well, they think they've got a special player, but he just will not have the benefit of having gone through that transitional period. I think that's well said, and that's if you're picking that now. You never know how it's going to go, but if you're picking that now, I think that's good logic by you. And it's amazing, too, to get a guy of Bridges' stature. I think that's the other fascinating thing to watch how this works. I think there's no doubt the extra year and being exposed to this program has to help. You're not going to walk in wide-eyed on day one and go, oh, my, it's like this? Oh, I, I wasn't aware of that. Bridges just steps on the floor like, all right, let's go, man. I got it. Exactly. There's going to be some. But to get a guy that's, a, what, a top 100 to be able to have that year, that's what's you, really unusual. Normally, guys of that stature, they're playing right away. Exactly I, I right. think that's a fascinating study and the ability to get him for a year. I, I cannot wait to watch. Watch both of them, but in particular, Bridges, and see how this year has done for him. Who gets a four-star top 100 player and basically – Gets to have a redshirt season. It just doesn't happen. Doesn't barring, happen. It, barring injury, yep. you just don't see that in college basketball today. Tony, in that 2007 game that Texas beat Baylor, and you have some vague memory of, yeah. Kevin Durant played 40 minutes, was 8 of 24 <laughs> shooting, 2 of 7 from three-point range, 11 of 13 from the free-throw line. He had 13 rebounds. He had one assist. He had four steals. He had three blocks, finished with 29 points. 
Pretty good day for a freshman. Those eight shots look pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I think he made all eight of them in a row. That's the way I kind of remember it. Next call. Where are we going? Let's go to the Sunshine State. Hi, Tony. Seth Watkins here, coming at you from Tarpon Springs, Florida. A couple quick questions in one for you. Number one, do you think Oscar got robbed of the Big 12 Freshman of the Year Award like Derek did last year? I personally think so. What do you guys think about that? Secondly, when we look back at the recruiting class from the previous year, we had two freshmen on the Big 12 All-Freshman team, plus the contributions of Gabe and Sean has and then the potential that Jalen Bridges has, could this past year's recruiting class go down as the greatest recruiting class ever at WVU with Bob Huggins? I personally think so. What do you guys think? Thanks, guys. Thank you, Seth, so much for listening. Thank you for your question. When you say greatest ever, it makes me break out in hives. Man, that's loaded. That's loaded when you say greatest ever. It's so difficult to project potentially this is where I'm going to go with you on this. I'll meet you. I'm not meeting you halfway. I'm saying this. It's got the potential to be really good. Greatest ever frightens the heck out of me. So I I hold back. You guys got any jump on that? Who was the USC player you were talking about? I didn't mention a USC player. I thought you did. Oh, well, I'll tell you who it was. Give a little Harold Miner. That was way after Harold Miner. Yeah, that was after. Was it OJ Mayo? No. Who was it? Huh? Uh, Taj Gibson was on that team. Kyle Austin, Casey Cunningham, Kevin Galloway. I don't know. Daniel Hackett. Who was the coach? Daniel Hackett was a player. Uh, I'm say, uh, all right, fine. So, Senator, potential to be a really solid class, but you just don't know. Well, uh, yeah, but I, I see why you asked that question. I mean, the, just, just take the recruiting numbers and the number of stars that are coming in and then look at, as he was saying, when you look at Shibway and Miles production in year one i think it's absolutely has to be in the conversation a long way to go but you put that in there and then back it up with with where you're counting bridges and where you're counting Cottrell. it's been an unbelievable couple year run in terms of on paper for these guys tim floyd was the head coach tim floyd that's why they had it going a little bit yeah absolutely um next up we went to florida we went to california let's go down to the peach state that's not peach state which south carolina the Palmetto State. Palmetto. Beautiful smiles, happy beaches, whatever that license. Pretty license. Isn't it Palmetto? Let's go. I think it's Palmetto. Hey, guys. This is Michael from South Carolina. My question is, what is your favorite part about West Virginia? A large portion of your listeners aren't from West Virginia, and we carry state pride with us. My favorite part is how as soon as you identify that you're from West Virginia, uh, that individual you're talking to, that fellow West Virginian, uh, makes you feel like family. Uh, you can leave for years, and you can always be welcome back. I'd be interested to hear what your favorite part is. Go Mountaineers. Wow. A little bit off basketball. You go ahead. I've been answering everything first. You go. I think he's right on that. I I think that's the most amazing. As somebody that's lived in multiple states over my lifetime, the recognition of West Virginia when you're outside of the state borders is unparalleled. And I think part of what plays in that, WVU Athletics, is such a strong following that, that it drives that. And I think that mix in the logo. The lo- the logo is probably an undervalued asset to this state. Because you talk about not only represent the school, but it's a perfect mark for the entire state. That's something. I mean, you can have a Maryland Terrapin logo on there, but they've changed that thing. So is it the old one with the flag? Is it the new one that looks like a Ninja Turtle? Is it the M? <laughs> is it the Maryland? Right, they got 16 logos. 100 color state flag. All right, you see Maryland. Okay. But you see that flying WV, and there is zero question or hesitation 
on what that person is signifying with that hat. So to me, that sits at the very top of the list. Guys, as we have talked about many times and being a native of the state, that there is, it's a small state, 1.8 million people. You're somewhere, anywhere. I was, my wife and I the other day, we were talking about, we were in Ireland and I was looking at the Cliffs of Moher and I'm walking by and I had a WVU cap on. This other guy had a WVU shirt. Hey, hey, what's going on? And, and, and you meet somebody anywhere and from West Virginia. Go, oh, you're from West Virginia. Do you know fill in the blank. And there's a pretty good chance you might know who that person is. So West Virginians are just for a variety of reasons, including being a small state and because of WVU are connected. I think the caller uh, hit it exactly perfect. Basically what you said was West Virginia is like cheers. Like everyone knows your name, no matter where you go, you just say, Hey, what's up, Norm? Hey, what's up? That's what it is. And that's what does make it special. It's a it is a 1.8 million people family. Yeah, it is. Right? And like every family, a little dysfunctional in places. But oh, other yeah. than that, but other than that, yeah, it is that's what makes it unique and that's what makes it special. And Tony, you're because you're the play-by-play announcer, people know you. Now, they don't know you in the sense that they know you, but they know you. When they meet you, they feel like they know you because you've they've listened to you for years. Well, same thing with you, right? People come up to you, hey Hoppy. I want to tell you something, right? I mean, or they come up and say, "Hey, Tony." Yeah, I get a lot of "Hey, Hoppies" too. <laughs> here's a little, here's a little something, a little historical trivia. You ready? Hi, this is Jim calling in from Rocky Top with a trivia question. What does Chase Harler have in common with other former Mountaineer basketball players, Rod Thorne, Will Robinson, and Frank Young? The answer is they all finished their career with a victory. Thorne. WVU won the NCAA regional consolation game in Thorne's senior season with Robinson. They weren't in a conference in 72 and didn't get invited to any postseason play. And, of course, Frank Young was on the NIT championship game. Looking forward, uh, hopefully, to football this fall. Go Mountaineers. There you go. I told Harler that, by the way. That's pretty good. That's what, that his unique company ending with a win? Yeah, I told him, hey, dude, because he was I literally, we're sitting a lot, walking through the lobby at the hotel less than an hour after they all found out that the NCAA was canceled. I said, dude, I said, you're all good. He said, what? I said, look, man, you won six more games than you did last year. You won, uh, you went from four to nine. You won five more league games. I said, you played in 100, I think it was 18, 19 games. I said, you ended your career with a victory. I said, dude, you did it, man. The hardest thing to do is to play four seasons and stay four seasons. I said, you made me feel better. Tell me more. I said, well, that's what it is. Then he found out that maybe he might be able to come back. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. what. And I said, oh, and, you put, and I said, you also had the single greatest move in the history of the WVU Coliseum on the floor, getting engaged. So he holds that record, too. He did finish nice. It is just such an empty feeling, though. When you're not prepared for your last game, at least when you're in the tournament, you don't know if you're going to win or lose. That's the uniqueness of it. And quite frankly, the fun, the survive and advance mentality when you're a player. But when you wake up and go to the gym that day, you know that it could be over. So you're prepared. So you're taking in the bus ride a little bit better. You're taking in the pregame meal. You're taking in the stretch because you know it might be the last day. The seniors didn't get that opportunity. It just ended Mm -hmm. and they didn't know it was coming. Yeah. Rod Thorne Thorne in his senior season averaged 23 points and nine rebounds. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's why they retired his numbers in the rafters. Yeah. I was having lunch 
at a little supermarket cafe thing in Kansas City after the announcement came down. So I'm seated, and it's like down one level, but you could see up to the street. So you could see people walking by the street. By the way, real quick, you were in Kansas City for like four hours and ate like nine <laughs> different places. That's I told true. you, which we'll talk about. I mean, it's unbelievable told, how little you were there and how many times you ate. Did I tell you before I left that I was going in strong? You did, but thank a, God there wasn't games. You wouldn't have been able to breathe or talk. I went strong. Anyway, okay, so I'm eating there eating Tuscan chicken sandwiches. Tremendous. And here comes Jermaine Haley walking down the street by himself. Like less than an hour after finding I'm thinking like, how bad does he got to feel right now that that just totally sucks? His college season is over. He played his last game. He had no idea it was going to end. He thought he was going to play, and it ended. Boom. So I just, that kind of hit me. Um, one last question. This has this is interesting. This has to do with recruiting. Ready? Hey guys, this is Sean calling from Charlotte. Want to let you guys know you have a great podcast, very funny, great information. And I wanted to ask a question. This is football related. I know a lot of times they say that West Virginia has a hard time recruiting uh, people to come to Morgantown. What would you say the reason is for that? Would you say it's the location? Would you say it's the culture? Would you say it's the weather? I've been a Mountaineer fan for a long time, and I think that we get pretty decent recruits, but I sometimes hear the media or, you know, different individuals say it's harder to recruit to Morgantown. What would be your guys' thoughts on the reason for that? Thanks. Continue the good work. Thank you very much, Sean. We do appreciate you listening. We do appreciate your call. So you're right. A couple of different things here. Um, you are a salesperson if you are a coach that recruits, right? I think the biggest and the first thing that has to happen, and the second that this doesn't happen, it's time to move on. And that is you have to embrace the opportunity to recruit here. If you go, oh, it's tough. Oh, it's difficult. Oh, we can't get the players. That's the day you need to call it quits and get out. You have to attack this with tremendous positivity and history has shown that you can get very talented players that can win at an extremely high level. So to answer your question, I think the easy fallback is perception that Morgantown is small, that it's out in the sticks, so to speak. And those those are perceptions that a lot of people try to use and say, oh, what was us? Now, conversely, you can use that as a positive because you can say, hey, we are a day's drive within whatever the percentage is, high percentage, 60% of the United States population. And you can make it special, the fact that it is a place, just what we've been talking about on this program, once you come here and you become part of this, it's there for the rest of your life. And I think your greatest spokespeople may be the people that have gone through that. Weather is weather. I mean, anyone at this climate, you could say that for every team that's north of WVU, you, it could be used as an excuse. But I just think that you have to go at it. I like the way that football has gone at it. They said, hey, we're just going to be who we are. We're going to be the easternmost outlier of the Big 12 Conference, and we're going to recruit where we've always recruited and down here rather than trying to go that way. Well said. I think the the other part, if you're looking for one big overarching, is just the, as we've talked a million times, the lack of number of players in close proximity to where your campus is Uh, and that's not an end-all be-all you look at Rutgers I mean they've got a million players right there they can't get the thing going so you need other factors but the simple fact that you're having to go outside of the area and bring people in 
I think that's where the the challenges start. Can you overcome it? Yes. Have coaches overcome it? Yes. But that's, I think, what if you if you went back and pulled everybody and said, what is number one? That would be number one. You know, the as many athletes have said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And I think that if you put a lot of effort into recruiting, it pays off. I've talked to a lot of uh, football players over the years, and I always ask them, how did you end up at West Virginia? And they will say two things consistently. One is coach, fill in the blank, was on me early, stayed in touch, came to see my games, formed a personal connection with me. And they're talking about the position coach, not necessarily the head coach who comes in at the end closes the deal. Number one, number two, when I visited, I felt comfortable here. I never hear them say I was promised playing time or the weather. I, I think it's about personal relationships and feeling comfortable when they arrive on campus. I think those are the yes. two biggest factors. And you know what that's about? That's about work by the recruiters and about the environment that you create in your uh, in your program. And also Rod Thorne in his final game had 33 points. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 13 of 24, pretty good day. And I think that's what's happening with football right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Those guys, the day he came in here, what did he say? It's all about building relationships. If we would have been here earlier, we could have got that kid that went to Tennessee, right? We could have got that done. And then you get the Wyatt Milam, right? Commitment. You get Sean Martin down at Bluefield and you see exactly what he's talking about. He's building his relationships and that is that's going to pay dividends. Tony, why was Doc such a great recruiter? And still is at Marshall. Relationships. Because he went down there and he went to Florida all the time, built those relationships, was one of the best ever Absolutely. at that. So that's what a lot of that is about. Absolutely. You guys ready for some text calls here or text questions? Sure. Hey, guys. Mike in Ohio. School shut down. Restaurants now shut down. I need some good roster discussion to put some cheer back in my days. First... Tell Emmett Matthews I blame him for the shutdown. He was so eager to get back on three gay, three guys. God shut the season down early for to let him in. <laughs> LOL. Now on roster, what he's referring to there, Emmett Matthews did talk to you there where at the Big Twelve tournament or the no, last here at regular the season game? after the Baylor game. Said, said I want to come, come back on back three. On? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just get in line, Emmett. I mean, everyone wants to be. <laughs> Uh, now under the roster, assuming that Brandon Napper is our only defection, that leaves us returning a lot of great pieces. Front court: Oscar, Derek, Gabe, Emmett. Backcourt, McThree, I like that, McThree and, and Sherman. I like all these guys really expect huge growth off season due to truncated season being leaving them hungry. I think this helps. Derek and I, I think this helps us keep Doc, Derek and Oscar from leaving early. Adding to in Bridges and Cottrell really gives us depth at three and five. Do you think Johnson gives us the needed help at point? And we look for another shooter, or do you think we look for a true combo guard to transfer in? Love the show. Thanks all that you do. Boy, isn't the roster management going to be fascinating here this offseason? Because the numbers would tell you, Hunter's done this multiple times on Sportsline, the numbers tell you that Napper won't be the only defection. So I think that's that's where you have to start is, is what opens up, if any other positions, and then you go from there. But the texture outlines some of the guys come in, and I, I think it's 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 looking like a really good roster in terms of multiple players at multiple positions to provide you some depth that's what this group needs yeah. still need to point but i mean point guard is ultimately what you still need who's the point here who's the point is it going to be deuce is he going to move to an off guard does somebody else slide into the point guard position that's that's still if you start to look at this roster as is with pieces coming in that to me would be the one thing all right whose team is this who takes over running the thing Corey in washington dc Three guys, thanks for all you do. Special thanks, Tony, for being very gracious with his time before the Kansas game earlier this year. Enjoy the history of Washington, D.C. traffic. 
Ooh. on last week's show, which I sit in daily as I listen to three guys. Brutal. Yeah. Well, we got it. I mean, well, we got Carmine. He was a traffic civil engineering traffic coordinator. We need to get him in here. Really love this year's team. Think that they could have made a run in the tournament, but the future looks bright. On the last show, you talked about Oscar likely coming back. I've got two questions. Do you think Derek will be back, assuming Oscar, Deuce, Emmett, and Derek all return over under 10, over under on a top 10 preseason AP poll? Keep up great work. So, again, everyone's asking, you know, does Oscar come back? Does Derek come back? I think all of the uncertainty has certainly been underscored now, even more so by what we're going through, right? The NBA has suspended its operations for now, which means the season will go on, which means who knows what's going to happen with the pre-draft stuff, the draft workouts. All of those things are now totally different than they would normally be. So I, I don't even venture to guess. I think all of this unsettled situation would probably lean me to think that more people will stay put rather than move because of the uncertainty. I think that contributes to it. Also, just wouldn't you want to just raise your stock a little bit? I'm sure that NBA scouts look at Oscar and go, okay, he's a guy. We know that. But wouldn't you want to come back and raise your stock just a little bit? Well, ideally, yes. But we see all the time that guys don't. I mean, you can, if you're going to, if they're going to draft you, and again, it just comes down to position and what you're looking for in terms of what you need from your family. We've seen guys leave here and not get drafted in the NBA and end up playing professionally. So I hesitate to get into that speculation until we hear more, but I see what you're saying, Tony. That's logical, what you're saying there. But but until we until we get word, I'm not I'm yeah. not going to speculate. Don't apply logic. Folks, I don't try to be evasive at all when we get into these conversations. I think the best thing to do is don't apply logic. Crazy stuff's going to happen. It always happens. Something that's going to make you go, what the hell are you talking about happen? It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. How could, what, the, why would he ever do that? He's going to go where? Is what? That's going to happen. It happens everywhere. It happens every year, as Coach Hunter said. If West Virginia is only to lose one player, that would be the biggest piece of news. That would be a stunner. Agree. Last text. Stats guy in Columbus, Ahaya. Hello. That wasn't good. Hello. There you go. (laughs) Tony, what have you been doing to pass the time without sports? Seriously, I need some ideas. Stay well. Uh... I tell you what, I cooked. I oh, cooked. I bet, yeah. Oh, did I cook this weekend? I mean, I crazy cooked. Hoppy, I made nine. I made ten quarts of soup. Nice. What kind? Uh, wedding soup. Oh yeah. Oh, I love wedding. I soup. rolled a hundred meatballs yesterday. Oh. Dissected a chicken. Put the chicken in there. Yeah. With spinach, carrots, celery, onion. I had a twenty quart pot. That's a big old stainless steel. Uh, Plus put some really small little pasta. Saw his (laughs) mother-in-law, Kroger, had to get to, she couldn't get up to the top shelf. I reached over, got her some of that. I made chicken cutlets. Um, What else did I make? I mean, I was in the kitchen the whole time. 100 meatballs, a lot of meatballs. Oh, that's all, yeah. That's three and a half pounds of meatballs. 100 meatballs, baby meatballs. Do you make them small like they do? Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Oh, I also sous vide a, uh, a flank steak. I sous vide a flank steak on Saturday. That came out perfect. Finished that with butter and rosemary. Um, did asparagus. Yeah, I mean, I just, it was, it was good. It's really good. Really good. I enjoyed it. I'm just, so I'm cooking, and let me tell you what I watched. I watched, I, I always say I want to watch movies and documentaries. I And you guys yeah. do this. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you probably don't do it as much with the girls. You probably watch, um, you know. You Corky watch the Clown. Corky Clown. Oh, Zippo the Clown. Corky. <laughs> 
Twiddles, <laughs> Trixie, uh, Bumpo the Clown. Reading, they're, they're reading Trixie Belden books. Could the camera cut on Brad, please? I want to see. I'm say I was going to say. Um, Zippy the Clown <laughs> came in with a big, he was in a Volkswagen. Three of his other clown <laughs> friends came out. Boppy, Boopy, and Dop Dop. So I'm not laughing. It was a, oh, yeah, I can get you now. It was a big clown show. Just a, <laughs> got him. See, clown shows, all you got to do is go clown show. Anyway, watched a movie Friday night, a uh, documentary on a guy named Tommy Tedesco, who was a studio guitarist. Uh, in California during the uh, the era where studio band people basically played the music for the great groups and the songs that you hear, it was the same people mm-hmm. playing the music. So when they go on the road, they would go get other people, but it wasn't the same people that made the records. And it was a story about Tommy Tedesco. Then I watched Mr. Rogers Saturday night. Oh, the did, you movie with, um, did you watch it? With Yeah, Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. I've seen, yeah, it was very good. Very, very well good, done. Very good. It that and as we have identified many times, I'm a cold fish. That got to me. Oh yeah, Mr. Rogers. Superb. Mr. Rogers got. Superb. I mean, the movie Mr. Rogers got to me. He was he was so kind. Yeah, he was so kind. And I thought that that also applies to today. We could all we could all be a little bit kinder now. Oh, you haven't exactly. really changed your habits. So you're a big movie watcher throughout oh, yeah. the year. Yes, absolutely. Watch them all. You see, I'm with Tony. I'm now trying to catch up. You know what show I'm I'm back into? What that I love that I just I can't watch during seasons. Billions. What's that about? It's a Showtime. I heard that. I've heard show. that. What's that awesome. about? Uh, hedge fund guy. Oh, another hedge fund guy that's kind of a good guy, bad guy, and his fund, how he's into yeah. high finance, lawyering. It's, it's outstanding. You know what else I'm, I did? I'm binging through that yeah, as you know, we speak. You know what else I did? And I, I'm going to leave on this. So I got I get on YouTube, and I'll go down a rabbit hole on YouTube, and don't even tell it's me It's easy how. to do, yeah. So there's this kid in New York City who's got over almost 2 million subscribers on his YouTube page. I'd never seen him until last night. And he's just this. What's his name? Google him right. It's now. like X I A N D U. It's got is it's an Asian name, so he speaks fluent Mandarin and this very unique dialect from a country in China. The people, most of the people that come from China and that are selling in the restaurants and little in, in Chinatown and thing in New York, that's where they're from. But very few people speak that. So he's just this this non-assuming white dude that doesn't look like he would ever utter a word of Chinese or Mandarin. And he goes into these shops and they videotape him. And he starts and he plays the dumb game. What's your best, what's your best food? Like, do you have, like, can you get chicken and the rice? And they're looking at him. And behind the scenes, they're going like, what is up in in their language? And then he goes full throttle. (laughs) He goes full throttle. And they go, and you could see their other, (laughs) Really good, and he just keeps pranking people. Does that? I've so I've spent about ninety minutes with him last. Wow, night. wow! Did you see? It? Next, you're going to be watching a cat playing the piano. Yeah, it's getting close. I mean, I'm in. I, this is what I wanted. I mean, that's I didn't want the season to come to an end, but I wanted to. What open? But see, what it does is it opens up other opportunities. I'm not going to say you wasted time on the Chinese no. thing, but but it, it it does open up other opportunities to do have other experiences. Yes. Keep this in mind, folks, that uh, one of our fine sponsors is still up, running, and going, and that is the folks from the Mardi Gras Casino and Resort in Cross Lanes and Wheeling Island Hotel Casino. 
Check them out at wheelingisland.com and Mardi Gras Casino WV.com. We're going to come back Thursday. Content-wise, I'm not 100% sure yet. That might be on you. This is what I'd like from you. Would you please let us know where you guys want to go? We got spring football. We can talk about that. We're in the process of trying to get some of these uh, folks to come in and start our interview series. But what would you like to talk about? What would you like to hear? We can go a bunch of different directions. Personal questions. Whatever you want. I don't care. Sure. I mean, Brad won't share, but you will and I will. Yeah, absolutely. Do you need to know the locksmith that does Hoppy's gate to his community <laughs> and his home? We'll get you that too. People need a gate. <laughs> Text us at 304-404-86. Put the number up. Uh, I've screwed it up. 304-404-4083. 304-404-4083. And looks also- like the phone's ringing. Look at the phone. It looks like it's ringing. <laughs> I need to know. So 304-404-4083. So seriously, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, for the Dean, Hoppy Kerchival. For the Senator, Brad Howe. Three Guys Before the Game, episode 189, our WVU basketball season recap. Brought to us by the good folks at Burdett Camping Center, where they've got their three guys special going on right now. The only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia. Visit them at BurdettCamping.com. Comax Business Systems, your full-service Konica Minolta dealer. Visit Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com. And by Wheeling Island Hotel Casino and Mardi Gras Casino and Resort in Cross Lanes. Unchartered territory. That's where we are. We'll be back again on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Share the word and hope everyone stays well. See y'all. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.